And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Came across this. I thought it was absolutely terrific. The title is How to Be a Successful Politician in California. Wait now. You're listening around the country. You're thinking, I don't care. Oh, this is so revealing about the way the politics works in a blue monolith of a state. The subtitle of this by Edward Ring, who's a really interesting guy. He's written a couple of books about California politics. He's the, uh, um, I think he was the, he co-founded the California Policy Center. So he's a thinker about policy and politics. But um, how to be a successful politician in California. Early voting lets us know how many votes we need. And ballot harvesting lets us control how many votes we'll get. And Ring writes, the following conversation never happened. It's for the reader to decide to what extent, however, this conversation reflects political reality in Cal Unicornia today. Two people in this conversation, the candidate and the government union operative, because that's who owns the state of California. Candidate says, it's a surprise you contacted me. I never thought I'd run for office. I don't know how to run a campaign, and I'm not well informed on any of the things I might have to manage if I get elected. Union operative said, that doesn't matter. We've profiled you and determined you'd be a viable candidate and develop into a politician we can count on. But I don't even know how to begin this process. Don't worry about that either. Here are all the forms you need already filled out. We'll just put your name and personal information and you'll sign them. We will submit them. We will follow up. Candidate says, where will I get my money to campaign? Where will I find a campaign manager? Government union operative says, we do everything for you. We found a treasurer who will process all of your donations and expenditures, and all you have to do is approve them. We have a campaign consultant who will run your campaign for you, and will run a separate independent expenditure campaign, which allows us to avoid campaign contribution limits, and you will not have to do anything. Candidate says, what about my opponent? Union op says, don't worry, we'll outspend your opponent by whatever amount necessary to ensure victory. They have to do everything themselves knowing they're going up against us. They have to raise money from small contributors. They have to constantly hold petty fundraisers. They haven't got access to our government union contributions, and the corporations won't help them because they're all afraid of us. Unless your opponent is wealthy and willing to burn through a good chunk of their own personal fortune, they won't have nearly enough money to compete with you. Candidate says, what will I campaign about? What will I say? Don't worry. We'll tell you what to say. We will write your campaign literature. We'll build your campaign website. We'll handle every detail. We have all the money we will ever need, so we hire the best political consultants. We've learned exactly what voters respond to, and we will attack your opponent as an extremist. But shouldn't I have ideas of my own? Shouldn't I stand for anything? Uh, No. Leave it to us. Just be available for photos and to sign documents and checks. Candidate says, what if it's a close election? Won't all this be for nothing? It probably won't be close, but if it is, we know exactly what to do. If early voting trends show your opponent's party turning out in stronger than anticipated numbers, we'll invest more money in ballot harvesting during the weeks before Election Day. Our ballot harvesters know which household residents have registered with our party. Early voting lets us know how many votes we need, and ballot harvesting lets us control how many votes we'll get. And it's legal. You can't lose. Candidate says, can't my opponent's party do the same thing? Government union operative says, theoretically, yes, but it costs a lot of money to engage in science-based ballot harvesting. And you see, haha, they haven't got any, any money. What's really funny, though, is that we've convinced Californians that we don't have very much money, that we're the underdogs, and that our opponents are spending us into the ground because they take contributions from corporations and billionaires. And guess what? We're the ones who get almost all the contributions from corporations and billionaires, and they don't. 
Wow. Candidate, candidate says, what if you can't find enough households with voters registered to your party who haven't voted yet? An earlier voting trends show that I could be behind. Relax. We have a lot of tools in our toolbox. Even though the last day to register to vote is a traditional voter is October 24th, we can assist people with same-day registration as a conditional voter right up until and through Election Day, November 8th. We know who to register. For example, our teachers' union has ensured that the vast majority of young voters are thoroughly conditioned to vote for our party and to despise your opponent's party. We have a profile for every eligible voter in the state. We know where every person under 30 is living, and if they're not registered, we can get them same-day registration, then we'll harvest their ballot. Candidate says, isn't it kind of weird that California permits early voting to begin a full month before the November 8th election and allows counting and certification to last all the way until December 16th? Doesn't it allow you to manipulate the election outcome during this extended voting period? So what? It's legal. We control the politicians, which means we write the laws and we made all of this legal. And final question and answer. What if my opponent raises the fairness of the same-day registration and ballast harvesting to ensure victory? You're a quick learner, but you still don't get it. We have all the winning messages. If your opponent questions the ethics of ballot harvesting or the accuracy of the registered voter database from which ballots are mailed to everyone or the injustice of taxpayer-funded government unions recruiting candidates and paying for their campaigns, we'll just call them an election denier. Oh, yeah, I've heard that phrase a lot lately. Those people are fascists. Right you are. Welcome to the team. Now just sign here. Wow, that's pretty good. How good was that? That's pretty good. Edward Blanking Ring, if you need him, we will post a link to that essay at armstrongandgetty.com. Send it to all of your friends for the good it'll do, which is very little. Yeah, that is is something. Same-day registration, ballot harvesting, blanketing the landscape with millions of ballots, whether you still live there or not. The fix is in. Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Mentioned last week, there's a new variant of COVID. Not that you care or paying any attention at this point, but the new variant. I think it's B1AA, but it doesn't matter. Um, like three weeks ago, it was five percent of COVID. Now it was forty percent last week. I assume it's the dominant COVID now, and it's way more transmissible than even Omicron. Oh, stop it! Which come is hard now. to imagine. So that's got to mean that if there's anybody, if you come near somebody who's got that, you're you you you've been exposed to it and then however that interacts with your vaccines and all that different sort of stuff i don't even want to talk about but anyway jimmy fallon made a song about it he's being criticized for some reason let's hear it there was alpha then delta then omicron x but this latest variant might be the best it's xbb.1.5 another friend of covid 19 has arrived Musk's name. It's XBB point one point five. 
That's pretty funny. <laughs> and uh, I'm supposed to be angry, I guess, uh, or something. One, one of the reasons it's being criticized, you know, Fallon does his show in New York. And New York COVID deaths spiked 30% in December, the most since early 22. They're saying the pandemic is not over. Of course, I read the entire article to see if they at any point got down to whether or not people were dying of COVID or with COVID. Which is, remember, at one point in L.A., it was 50% of the deaths were people who came in because they had a heart attack and they tested positive for COVID. Or they were ancient and going to die and they came into the hospital and they tested positive for COVID. Well, if indeed this variant is so incredibly uh, contagious, even compared to Omicron, that everybody gets it if you so much as look at them from 100 yards away, right? Uh, well, then it would make sense that a tremendous number of people who are going to die have it. So if you don't clarify that, you've told me nothing. Uh, is it just me, or does 2023 feel like that boyfriend we're about to take back for the third time because he swears he's changed? No. <laughs> Yes, 2023, off to another. Oh. This is the first time in 100 years this has ever happened, or this is the most this has ever happened. Or, <sighs> um, Kevin McCarthy is Speaker of the House. That got settled in the middle of the night Friday night, if you weren't paying attention to that. So I don't think anybody will ever remember that. I don't think it damaged the Republic. I don't think it makes the Republicans look like they're uh, you know, a mess or whatever. I think it's the kind of thing that's likely to happen if you have so close a margin. Sure. That yeah. And even if uh, it did, uh, for a cup of coffee, make the Republicans look disorganized or not united. They're not united. You're not supposed to be united. Robust debate, disagreement. That's the point. This next debt ceiling vote, though, could be a big deal. Yes. Yes, that is true. Do you want to briefly explain? Well, yeah, because so the debt ceiling thing, it's a self-imposed thing that we do for some reason. It's really interesting. I mean, it's like if you did this to yourself where you said, I am only going to spend X number of dollars per month. That sounds great. Period. Responsible. And uh, every month you spend more than that. And so you decide to raise the amount yes. of your self-imposed limit. And then you go over it again. Uh, well, we do that with the government, but there is a there is a penalty for going over and if you if if you don't raise the debt limit or how much we're in debt, then you can't pay your bills and you can default on all kinds of foreign debt and all kinds of horrible things can happen. We've never done that because always at the very last minute, everybody comes together and raises the debt limit again. So you and your spouse and this factors into one of the seven financial habits you should leave behind last year. So you and your spouse say, there's no way we let the credit card bill get above $5,000. No way. Do you agree? 100% I agree. And, and then you say, hey, did you see that $900 espresso maker? Wow, is that cool? You want to raise the debt limit to uh, 11000 Yeah, let's do it. Or I'm sorry, I guess I was at five. Let's raise it to six. Yeah, okay, that's good. But we've stayed within our debt limit. <laughs> Just who would, Even a child would say, wait, no, that's not right. And we've mocked these debt limit crises in the past because they're not going to we're not going to default on the debt oldsters aren't going to stop getting social security checks you know all these different things we're not going to you know ruin our credit around the world well this time we might this time there might be enough holdouts who say they're not going to vote for it unless you cut some freaking spending finally and they've got a good argument uh, so back to uh money stuff this is a great article on seven habits to leave behind as you move into 2023, seven uh, financial habits. Some of them are very obvious. Some are less so. 
Sometimes uh, very <clears throat> obvious things you need to be reminded of, though. I know I do. Right there, that's wisdom right there. Um, so, uh, number one was leave behind your FOMO on crypto. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, no kidding. Your fear of missing out. Here's hoping that in 2023, the fear of missing out on crypto is squashed. And they go into all sorts of examples. You know, I had just, by coincidence, just read an article that this uh, crypto lending g- g- concern named Celsius Network had gone under. And the half mil- more than half a million people who had money in it, have been trying to get it back. Well, a judge just ruled, no, reading the terms of service that you clicked on, that money is theirs. It's not yours. Oh, the terms of service for buying crypto. Wow. Yes. So you are screwed and tattooed. You'll get nothing. Moving along. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Give up your FOMO on crypto. Yeah. Number two, get, leave behind carrying credit card debt. They point out it's significantly more expensive now. Yep. It's not the same question. Good one. Easy enough. Oh, uh, getting a tax refund. Leave that behind. Here's why they say that. Uh, there's, uh, the, 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 many people love getting what they consider a windfall or a forced savings plan. But with inflation cutting into your pay, it's better to get your money during the year, especially if you have any high-interest credit card debt. Uh, another reason to change your withholdings now, when you purposely get a refund, you're lending the federal government your money interest-free. And when savings rates were super low, the financial loss wasn't much, but the highest FDIC-insured liquid savings accounts currently yield just over 4% annually. So you are giving away money hmm. by doing that. Uh, and, th- and they also point out, if you're carrying debt on a credit card with a 20% interest rate, waiting to get a lump, tum- lump sum tax refund to pay it down is costing you money. And that's bad money management. I would say it's just flat stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another one to leave behind, eating out too much. Yeah. And they talk about the typical family and how much they spend and how much more it is than you think. Oh, yeah. And now more than ever, it's shocking to me what it costs to go to even your fast casual places. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, think about what you could do with that money. Build an emergency fund. Pay off debt. Boost your retirement savings. And then I was feeling a little smug on the first four. Then I got to number five. Leave behind autopilot bill paying. Automating your... Automating your payments is a great way to avoid racking up late fees, but inertia can set in, and you end up paying for subscriptions you don't use. I only have like 10 of those. (laughs) The uh, study found that Americans spent an average of $574.75 a year on cable and satellite TV services in 2021, Uh, a lot of them that they don't use anymore. Sure. Not to mention software subscriptions. Ugh. Or whatever. Uh, let's see. I do that uh, every once in a while. I go into my PayPal, because that's usually what I've got, and uh, clear out one. So they go, I'm still subscribing to that? Yeah. Oh, I've got to do that. I've got to do that. Uh, I love this one. Leave behind fear of repair costs. Here's what they're saying. Almost without exception, extended warranty policies are a bad deal. Mm, yeah, I never get those. No, no, it's fine. If If you need to repair something, pay for it. Um, you're wasting your money. And finally, sp- uh, leave behind spending on junk food. Again, they go into studies of how much people actually spend on crappy stuff that's not good for you anyway and how much better uses there are for that money. It's worth thinking about. Armstrong and Getty.
Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I mentioned some of this earlier, but I want to do a little uh, of a follow-up because it's it could be the most important story on the planet. It really could be. In the last 50 years, the average male's sperm count has dropped by 62% and testosterone has dropped by 30%. Wow. So uh, if you're an older woman and have been around for a while and it seems like men are less manly, they literally are. Right. If it was elephants or chimps or grizzly bears, the world of science would be going crazy, and and lefty publications would be going berserk. What are we doing to nature? They would be screeching. Now you don't notice sperm count in a dude, oh, unless, I do. unless you're trying to get you know pregnant. But you do notice testosterone. I mean, that's that's the testosterone affects lots of different things. Um, aggressiveness, mood, strength, my grip strength. Um, my doctor told me I had low T, so I beat the hell out of him. He said, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but testosterone down 30% in the last 50 years, that's just amazing. So, and it, this is the most comprehensive study of this that's ever been done. Researchers conducted this large study analyzing data from every region on Earth across a half a century, and that is what they concluded, that testosterone's down 62%, or 30%. Sperm by 60%. Within three years, the average male is unpaced to be in the fertility danger zone. This is the, oh, no, you know, you can't get pregnant. You go to the doctor, get your sperm checked, and they tell you you're in that range where it's going to be really hard to get pregnant. That's going to be the average male in three years at the pace we're currently on. Holy cow. So what caused sperm counts to be cut in half in 50 years? Number Well, there's lifestyle and there's uh, exposure to chemicals. But when it comes to lifestyle, without a doubt, number one is obesity. Since 1970, obesity rates have tripled in most developed countries, causing testosterone rates to fall. You get fatter, your testosterone goes down. And does that contribute to the drop in sperm production? I know there's a connection between all these things, but uh, I don't remember what's a cause and what's an effect you know, exactly. It, Jack, I'm not an endocrinologist. It doesn't get into that here, but that, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Uh, the good news is if you lose weight, you can typically raise your sperm and testosterone. If you lose weight, you can reverse it. It's not a permanent thing. But mm-hmm. uh, Scientists say that the following things also contribute to falling testosterone and sperm counts. Increased anxiety. Got any of that mm. in the world? Consumption of processed foods. Pornography addiction, alcohol and drug use, and poor sleep quality. All of those things certainly exist in the modern world. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they've, they've really risen in the modern world. Plus, I, I, they don't mention this, but I think it's got to be a factor that testosterone rises in response to stimulus, whether it's danger or competition or I know uh, after you win a game, your testosterone level rises. If you lose a game, it drops. Um, and so I just wonder if the fact that we're so much more safe than humanity's ever been has caused a significant drop in testosterone. And maybe that's appropriate. You don't want a whole bunch of men ready to fight if they don't need to fight. Maybe that's the way nature's looking at it. Perhaps, yeah. Interesting. Uh, they also know that forever chemicals are having a detrimental impact on our fertility. Forever chemicals are used in clothes, plastics, you know, pretty much anything you can think of that are around you all the time and have an effect on you. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Has the number of people with children that have significant developmental 
you know, challenges from autism to whatever. Has that percentage changed as much as it seems like it has? Uh, yeah. Or is it just that people are talking about it now and diagnosing it now? I know. I think it's the first choice. Well, I know people who study this for a living and say it's okay. absolutely the first choice. Yeah. Shouldn't yeah, yeah. we be a little more curious about that as humanity? Again, if it was chimpanzees, the New York Times would write about it every single damn day. Yeah, it's shocking. Yeah, these could be the biggest stories on the planet, and I have a feeling we'll pay attention to them when it's too late. Armstrong and Getty. I found China's plans for world domination. Yeah, I'm not even joking. China's trying to take over the world. China's intents and ambitions have changed drastically. I found the blueprints that really show that China isn't satisfied with just sitting in the background and waiting for its time to shine. No. China is going for world dominance, and I'm not just talking about economically. You really have to understand the Chinese language to see what China's planning, because what they show to non-Chinese speakers, like maybe you, is very different than what they show to their domestic populace or native Chinese speakers. China's doing something really bad. Let me ask you guys a question. You still use an iPhone 3G or a Samsung Galaxy S2? Probably not, right? So let me ask you another question. Do you still use a traditional wallet? You know those bulky things that sit in your pocket and leave a big lump? Those unsightly things that take up way too much real estate in your pants? Well, if you are, I highly recommend you switch over to an extra wallet. It is the coolest wallet in the world and still to this day, the only wallet I've ever been complimented on. With a push of a button, your cards conveniently fan out. There's plenty of space to put everything, yet it doesn't take up a lot of space. It looks super classy, comes in all kinds of different colors and finishes, and I absolutely love it. If you go to shop.exter.com slash 86 you're going to get a massive discount site-wide. But also, when you go to checkout, make sure you use the code LAWAI86 because you're going to get a further discount on top of that. When you do that, you're going to get the coolest wallet in the world. And not only that, you're going to be supporting the channel. So thanks. It all comes down to China's fortress. Under current dictator Xi Jinping, China is transforming itself into a fortress with the intent of conquering world leadership. Understanding the four pillars of this fortress could perhaps help world leadership to understand how to stop China's new ambitions and how to better counter China in general. I used to entertain the idea that China would keep to itself. Despite going from a thriving, liberalizing world player to a glorified North Korea with money, I still thought that China would try to probably keep its best interests in mind and close itself off back into obscurity in relative silence. Because it always does. China goes from a world power to obscure hermit state time and time again. And China's doing this again. It's closing down. It's removing what little freedoms were left and stoking Han Chinese ethno-state nationalism and getting ready for another round of, let's see why fascism and one-party strongman dictatorship leadership doesn't work again. Typically, when we see a country fall into obscurity through authoritarianism and isolation, we see global influence, power, and danger be limited to its own people. A really good example is Turkmenistan. This hermit state is one of the least free countries in the world and really rivals North Korea in its bizarre authoritarian dictatorship style with its mandated white marble buildings and laws like having to wash your car before you even come into the capital. 
the dictator's handbook becoming a statue that reads quotes out of a loudspeaker throughout the day, and policies for citizens that limit all freedom of speech, freedom of movement, and leaving period. You just can't leave Turkmenistan. This obscurity is what makes these nations relatively harmless on the global stage. They only really hurt themselves. But this is where China differs. Since 1949, when Chairman Mao took over, China has innovated almost nothing. Other than the starvation of tens of millions of people, but that's hardly innovation. That's just death. What China did do is become a manufacturing hub for pretty much the entire world. You don't believe me? Look at the world's biggest trade partner, the USA, go from dominance only to be completely surpassed by China. China didn't need to invent anything. They didn't need to innovate. They didn't need to change. The West foolishly believed that given access to money and capitalism, China would be able to change and become friendly to the West. So the money poured in. For the past 40 years, American and other Western companies and governments have been dumping trillions of dollars of investment into China with no requirements in return. It's basically like this. Here's money, China. Now we've got a good thing going here, so please don't steal our tech and intellectual property, and please consider allowing your citizens some more freedoms, maybe liberalize a little bit. You know what China's response to that always was? Nah. And by the way, if you want the privilege of investing in our country, our glorious China, then you're gonna have to give us the lion's share of the profit and control. Oh, and also, we're gonna steal all of your intellectual property, military tech, and hack you until we get everything we need. Then we're gonna kick you out of China after attracting years of investment. Also, we can close off again. And this time, we're gonna close off with money and leverage over the entire world's economy. So now that you understand the basic idea, let's look at this fortress that Xi Jinping is building to finish it off once and for all and become the world power. To understand the fortress, you have to understand the goal. The goal is to build a post-Western world, a world where innovation isn't necessary anymore. It's just a world where China controls what countries do to its own benefit. Freedom and human rights do not belong in this world. It's just state leadership that benefits those at the top of the state. That's really the only goal. The base of the fortress is economic, commercial, and financial. China has had 40 years to develop, and while it's absolutely nowhere near finished, in fact, it's very poor in much of the country, it is at a point where Xi Jinping has decided that it's done. One of the things that Xi Jinping decided he'd be famous for in history was the eradication of poverty in China. Poverty wasn't eradicated, by the way, guys. I don't know why people even believe this ridiculous statement. It's not even close, but Xi Jinping said it was and then made it illegal to say that there's still poverty in China, so that's good enough, I guess. Anyway, 40 years of globalization has put China in a position where the elite are well off enough and hold enough power to control the country. Enough foreign tech has been stolen and nationalized, and China now has domestic brands dominating national manufacturing. There's no more need for foreign brands for many things. From electric cars to refrigerators, China has a domestic equivalent, albeit a worse quality one, for nearly everything. Don't be fooled, China doesn't need to make things very well. They only figured out how to make a ballpoint pen, for God's sakes, a few years ago. But they make enough stuff domestically to satiate China's own needs. All the while, China's trying to reduce the world's dependence on the dollar. It's already gotten Russia and some of the Middle East on board with its pursuit of this digital yuan, the dream of de-dollarizing the world. The next pillar of this fortress is political and ideological control. COVID-19 has turned the world into chaos, but for China, well, it's even more chaotic. 
Xi Jinping's zero COVID policy has created absolute chaos and dissent. From Chinese people begging for their children not to be taken away, to quarantine camps, to month after month of Welgia into your house level lockdowns, leading to suicide, starvation, and absolute madness. To the COVID quarantine camps turning China into a medical slave state. To the absolute stagnation of the economy because of said lockdowns, you would think that China would be on the brink of revolution at this point. I mean, you do this anywhere else and people are going to stand up. But quite the contrary. COVID has been the greatest gift to the Chinese government that's ever been given to anyone. A surveillance system that literally tracks everywhere you go at all times. Limits everything you can do down to a QR code. You cannot go shopping. You cannot get on public transport. You cannot go through a toll booth. You cannot take your kids to school. You cannot go to work. You cannot literally exist without a green QR code. If it turns yellow or red, you stay where you are in lockdown. And if you try to escape, you go to jail. If you try to escape these lockdowns, like many have, you will be tracked with facial recognition and stopped in your tracks with one of China's 540 million surveillance cameras run by the state. China has more surveillance cameras than the population of the United States. The ability to track and stop anyone, anywhere, at any time, has now become realized. Do you get that? This is not like some future goal. This is not a movie script. This is done. It's already finished. This capability is real. Every single thing you do, motion you make, word you type, person you speak to, everything is tracked and documented and you cannot escape. It's literally that bad. Imagine if Kim Jong-un didn't have to rely on secret police. It's kind of like that. China is now a technologically controlled dungeon of slaves that cannot do anything that the state deems unsavory. You can't complain, you go to jail. You can see how effective this has actually become. People always said, if you take away Chinese people's money, then they'll finally stand up and overthrow the government. But people across much of China are not even getting paid anymore. I've gotten reports from people north to south that haven't received wages from not only companies, but state jobs as well. Do you see or hear anything about that? Exactly. The cult of personality surrounding Xi has now reached Mao caliber. Xi's thoughts are mandated and taught at all levels of education, and citizens in one of the 100 million government jobs are quizzed daily on Xi Jinping's ideology. And there's pillar three, state-surveilled slavery. With a god figure at the top, dictating every move of every citizen. Done. Pillar four, the final beam in the structure of this fortress for China's world domination, is the destruction of the US and Western alliances and spheres of influence, including Japan and South Korea, etc., while simultaneously forcing and strengthening and modernizing China's military and nuclear arsenal. This is done by bringing developing countries into its economic servitude, solidifying allies like Russia and other countries that oppose the West and democracy in general, and amplifying propaganda, hacking, disruption tactics, and sowing political division, and many more underhanded things. China is employing countless influencers, buying politicians, and sending millions of bots and paid trolls to sway online opinion. I've seen people that you would never think to be pro-Chinese government being swayed by paid agents who go out there and spread information that preys on the division in current American society. 
People don't even have to end up pro-Chinese government in the end. That's not the goal. They just have to contribute to the collapse of Western society. I've seen a massive uptick in this after China allied with Russia after the Ukraine invasion. These treasonous scumbags who contribute to seeing division in the West because China co-opted them to do it either ended up richer or they get paid in clout and followers, but they end up getting away with it because they are protected by free speech laws. It's the very definition of using America's system against itself. China blocks all Western social media, but it uses it for its own government agendas to contribute to the downfall of Western systems and democracies. Beyond ideology, China's modernizing its military capabilities to the point where it knows it will have to face down the US in battle at some point in the future. Whether it be over Taiwan or some other future conflict, China aims to weaken the US and its allies and then strike when it's divided to the point where morale is too low for Americans to even stand up for themselves. Now, here's the deal. All this doom and gloom that I just spouted is China's plan. But all of this hinges on China pulling this dystopian nightmare off. They have successfully neutered their own populace and crushed any and all dissent. So even if worse comes to worse and everything collapses, the government still does have ultimate control over their people. But the only real way this can work is for people around the world to roll over and accept it. To basically say, yeah, sure, China, whatever, take over, go for it. Without investment or supporting China, China can do nothing. The rest of the world investing in China, expecting it to reform, is why we got here in the first place. It's why I'm making this video now. If people stop feeding the monster, it dies. The monster is still in servitude to other countries' economies. Sanctions, rooting out Chinese intelligence, not allowing China to participate in international bodies or having any sway over organizations like the UN, banning Chinese apps and media like TikTok, punishing officials and people responsible for the current Uyghur genocide, stopping trade partnerships, for God's sakes, removing or preventing these old assholes that got into power because of China trade, and the people who want to keep it that way. Faced with all this, people are like, yeah, whatever, let's just keep investing in China. Did people or companies or politicians ever push people to invest in the Soviet Union or Nazi Germany? Yeah, let's invest in the country, the enemy nation that is trying to rip your own country to shreds. The country that has already enslaved 1.4 billion of its own citizens with its sights set on the rest of the world. Let's sell them our farmland. Let's sell them our key industries and ports. Let's allow them to have social media accounts on free speech platforms like YouTube or Twitter or Facebook or Rumble or True Social. It doesn't matter what side you're on. China is taking advantage and sowing dissent and division in American society. Oh, and by the way, let's invite them to dictate what's taught in our schools and what is off limits in our educational institutes. Let's allow Chinese government access to major IP and chip technology to continue to copy and add to its military prowess, which will be used against the rest of the world. Let's invest and support the country whose dictator just told their citizens to prepare for war and that the US and the free world are their mortal enemies. Yeah, let's do that. Great idea. Many of these notes that I actually used while making this video actually coincided with a fantastic article I read by Sylvain Sorrell. I put his article in the description below and it highlights the four pillar idea very clearly in a text form. So I hope you guys can give it a read and share that out as well.
If you guys want to know what's happening in China on the ground or in the news or anything that's current events related in China, I have a live show every single Friday called The China Show. I need you guys to go over there and subscribe to that channel and check it out. It's jam-packed full of current events and news and also a bunch of humor and lifestyle stuff. It's just great if you want to get your finger on the pulse of China in general. So definitely go check that out.